0: Well, good morning to you all. Uh, We are beginning a new series today, and I'd like to say this is part one of uh, two or part one of ten, but I'm not actually positive how it's going to go. Uh, This first lesson that we have here is just to define the topic, and the topic is holiness. And this is very much uh, related to, as we were going through Hebrews, there was Uh, One of the members of the congregation suggested this topic. She might not even remember suggesting it, but we talked about this. And the idea of holiness, and go back and kind of take it as a topic through Scripture. And what is this concept of holiness? Because we know that Scripture calls us to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 14-16, as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And that quote from, that is at the bottom there, that quote from the Old Testament, that's why it's in all caps, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's mentioned, that phrase is several times in the book of Leviticus. So the topic of holiness is very important. We're called to be holy. Well, what does that mean then? If we're called to be holy and we want to be holy to please God, and we know that God is holy and we're called to be holy because he's holy, what exactly does That mean what is the the concept and uh, here in first Peter 1 14 through 16 we can kind of look at that context and just kind of take a guess outside of even what we would define holiness as we could just look at the context and kind of start to figure out what it means just based upon the context and it seems to indicate that we're not to sin but we're to behave like Jesus. And we would certainly call Jesus' behavior holy, right? He acted with holiness. But again, we're just defining it by its its own self again. So the idea of obedient children not acting sinfully, you know, not being conformed to the former lust. So there's a natural way that we kind of just long to, to, to fulfill. It's, it's very natural. When we think about lust, we think about natural things, fleshly things, things that that are not godly things necessarily. So the former lust, we're not to act upon those like we used to, but like the Holy One who has called us. By the way, that idea of calling is very related to holiness. Be holy yourselves. So not sinful, but be like God. Be like Jesus. Be holy in the way you act. In all your behavior. All right, so getting a little bit of an idea of what holiness might be, I turned to one of the uh, one of my Bible dictionaries. The very first one that, that I came up with was the LBD. You can see down there on the bottom right as it says LBD, the Lexham Bible Dictionary, and it said this for holiness, and it was a long article, but this is the very first uh, piece that is in here. It says holiness, a quality. That characterizes deity and at times humans or and or objects, the precise nature of this quality is disputed, <laughs> so you know you turn to a, you, you turn to a dictionary to kind of get a, a definitive a definitive definition right i don 't how do you say that without being uh, redundant, but you you try and get that definition so you can you can know exactly what you 're talking about, and this Lexham Bible dictionary said. It's disputed what this actually means. Now, in my mind, I've got this thought of being set apart. And then the New Testament and the Old Testament, it was always the concept of being set apart. That article that I mentioned here actually goes on to say, well, this idea of set apart was first mentioned by somebody in such and such a time. And, you know, and, and it's now disputed to some degree and stuff. And I know sometimes scholars use stuff like this just to throw everything into confusion, Right. So, but hey, if it's, uh, what is the definition? Is it set apart, set apart for God? What is the definition? Well, the only way to really know is to go back to the Old Testament and kind of trace it through and see how it's used. If you want to understand what God means when He is speaking or what He says, you go back and you trace that word through the Old Testament and see how it fits with what's in the New Testament. It's easy, you take the context. Of every time it's used and and it's used very often and you can kind of see and get a picture for what the word actually means. So we're going to go and talk about this word holy and what it means. So we go to the Old Testament and see how holiness is used and how it develops. The very first use is in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 3. So it happens very quickly in the scripture. It says in Genesis 2-3, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. So here we have a passage that's fairly familiar with us. And you might even think, it sounds a little bit different than what I was thinking. And if you have a different translation, you might have it reading, Then God blessed the seventh day... And made it holy. God blessed the day and he made it holy. And there's a reason given because on it he rested from all of his work. And that idea then is that the seventh day, Saturday, we call it now, well it was known as the Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. So God rested, he made this day holy. So in this, looking and considering this verse, well what does... This idea of sanctified or made holy. What do you think? You look at the context here. God blessed the seventh day. Okay, there were six days that he worked. And on the seventh day, he blessed that day. And he made it holy. Alright, so the first use. The seventh day was made holy. And by the way, there are synonyms here that you can all through scripture... Whenever you see the word sanctified or consecrated, it's the same thought. It's the same passage. You're going to have the same Hebrew or Greek root. No matter If you're in the Old Testament, it's going to be the same root. New Testament, kind of the same root too. So sanctified, consecrated, made holy. And in this passage, Genesis 2-3, it seems to fit. Well, he set it apart from other days. He blessed this day. He was was recognizing this day as special, as unique. There was something about it, and there was a specific reason that he did it. And he said, I'm going to bless this day, and I'm going to make it holy. So he set it apart from the other days to serve God's special purpose, a day of remembering, a day of resting, and to recognize that he had worked, and now is a time for rest. So it has a purpose, and it is a very special and unique day. Separate from the Monday through the Friday, or Sunday through the Friday, I guess. The first day to the sixth day, it's different. You get to the seventh, it's unique. Okay, so that's just some very basic generalization, but I did use that word, set apart. And I think that idea of set apart to serve God's purpose is the definition that I want to go with and I want you to consider and I think that's the definition as we move through the entirety of the Old Testament and into the New Testament you can see that it fits and it works. So God takes something, he sets it apart from everything else that's kind of like it and he says, "I'm not going to use it's not going to be common, it's not going to be like the others. I'm going to set it apart for my purpose." So, I'm going to skip some of the uses. There are some times that it's mentioned again in Genesis, just a few times. And you'd have to, I I used the root word um, for holy and searched through it. And there were a few times in there in Genesis that I'm going to go ahead and skip those because I want to get to the book of Exodus. Because I think this idea of holiness really develops. And we can understand what holiness is based upon the book of Exodus. So, first one. Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, a very, well, it's leading into, this is a very familiar um, uh, spot in history. When Moses is out in the wilderness, he's pas- uh, pasturing the, the flock, and he has that experience out there when he talks to the burning bush. Uh, well, he does talk to the burning bush, but the burning bush first talks to him, right? So that's where this incident is that we're talking about in Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. In my slide, I've highlighted the mountain of God. It was one particular mountain. So therefore, it is a mountain that was set apart. It was different. It's distinguished from all the other ones because this one is the mountain of God. It was special. It's already alluding to this kind of thought that this is a holy place. This is the mountain of God. It belongs to Him. We're going to find out that's where He shows up. So Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. A few verses down later as we, we find out that, you know, after we find out that Moses sees a bush burning but it's not being consumed, he's going to go up to it. And then the as it's... the God is speaking from that burning bush. God is speaking. It says, Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, up until now, I would always uh, have looked at, Okay, there was probably, there was some kind of perimeter, and he got within 10 feet of that bush. You know, the, that he was walking, you know, there was, you know, there's a burning bush, so 10 feet, 20 feet, you know, there's certain distance, a perimeter around there that's just considered holy ground because God's right there in that bush. Well, having studied through this, I want you to think about this idea that, well, that bush is up on this mountain, he's at the mountain of God, and the entire mountain is God's holy ground. It's the mountain of God. He has come to the mountain of God, and he is walking up towards this bush on holy ground, and he's instructed to remove his sandals from his feet. Because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He could have gone on maybe then to say, this this whole mountain is holy ground, Moses. Take off your shoes. So, holy ground was, it was God's ground. And I can say it was God's ground because the previous verse verse in chapter uh, 3, verse 5, or excuse me, verse 1, had said it was the mount of God. It was the mountain of God, right? So this holy ground, it's God's ground. It's holy ground. And therefore, it's not to be treated like common ground. He was on the mountain, the mountain of God. Set apart from all the others, it's very special, God is there, that makes it holy, you don't just walk on it like it's all the other places around, this is holy ground, get your shoes off, don't dirty up my holy ground is perhaps, that's the mentality I would have and under my current understanding of holiness and I think it fits. This is special, this is pure, we tend to think of God as his purity with his holiness, and it fits. This is beautiful ground, not to be walked on just like it's any other old ground. On down a few more verses, in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 12. This is God still speaking, and he said, Certainly I will be with you, because they were having this conversation, Moses Go, let my people, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, I don't know about that. How will I know that you'll be with me? All right, chapter 3, verse 12. And God said, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you out, or that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship at this mountain. All right. So here God is, is proclaiming, and this is important as we get to the next scene that I want to go to after he brings the people out. Before he, when he was talking to the, the bush, Moses is told, you're going to bring the people out back to this spot. You're going to bring them back to the holy ground. You're going to bring them back to the mountain of God. And you'll worship me here. So this is very important, this idea of this mountain. The holy mountain of God. It had a purpose. The mountain of God was going to serve God's purpose. It wasn't his mountain picked just out of the middle of nowhere and that's just kind of where it happened to be. God had a purpose for this mountain. It was where, first of all, he introduces himself to Moses. And then it is also where um, Brother Jerry, if you can, I don't know if you guys can see this light coming in at me. It might look like something special, but it's a little bit distracting. So that door on the left, right where Sophie's standing, I, that might be Sophie. Um, if you can get that door closed for me, please. Thanks. All right. So that is a, it's a very, I, I can't come up with anything funny to relate this to holiness. So I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so the mountain of God was to serve God's purpose. Not just any mountain. He has picked this mountain because he's going to do something there. He's going to bring his people out. He has already introduced himself to Moses as this holy ground. And now he's going to bring out his people, his, the entire nation that he wants to be his. They're serving Pharaoh now and he wants them to come out and serve him. Come out of Egypt and you're going to serve me. You're my people. So there's a very much a purpose involved with this holy ground. So Moses did lead Israel out. You got the story of the plagues. They come out through the through the uh, the, the Red Sea. The Pharaoh, Pharaoh's and his army, they're crushed and, and killed. But God's people are led safely through to the other side. And um, then we the story moves on, and we see in Exodus chapter eighteen, verse five, it says, "Then Jethro." Moses' father-in-law came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. So this is what Moses has done. Just, he's, follow, he's following God's instructions just as God had told him to bring the people out here to this mountain, my mountain, the holy ground, and you guys are going to worship me here. So they're, they're coming close to this mountain. That was in Exodus 18.5. Now on to chapter 19. And this is our primary location where I want us to see um, the story develops and where we learn more about God's holiness, uh, or about holiness, period, as Israel approaches the holy, the holy God at the holy mountain. Exodus 19.1-6. Turn there or you can uh, follow along up here on the screen. In the third month, after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. And I think this would be a similar region. Maybe Horeb is kind of a larger region. And then Mount Sinai is going to be a very pointed, just the singular mountain. Or maybe, Horeb, maybe I've got that switched the other way. But Sinai, Horeb, they go together. That's the point. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. So this is the same mountain Moses had had spoken to the burning bush. The burning bush had spoken to him. He's come back out there to the mountain. This is it. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice, and I think a better translation, if you will hear my voice, if you will listen to me, if you will listen and keep my covenant then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So here he is, God saying, you guys are going to be a holy nation. Here, you're coming to this holy mountain to speak to holy God, and I'm calling you to be a holy people, a holy nation and uh, so let's think about this for a second okay if they were going to be a holy nation we're just back to this thought what does it mean to be holy I've already kind of given you my idea of what holiness is is set apart from everything else everything common What is just normal, set apart so you can do something special, serve God's purpose in a special way. That's kind of set apart to do God's work, to be serving God's purpose. So let's see if this fits in this context. So first of all, I want you to consider, uh, number one, thinking about what made them holy. They were set apart. They were set apart from the Egyptians and brought to God. God didn't want them to be serving in Egypt. He brought them out. He separated them. He called them and set them apart from the Egyptians and brought them to God. And, and those who were not holy were destroyed, by the way. So you see that as you look backwards in this story, those who were not holy, those who were set opposed to God, not following God's ways, the Egyptians, they were destroyed. And as you look forward in the story too, which we don't have time to get to today, as you keep looking forward in the story after verse number 6, you're going to see God also tells them, hey, there's a perimeter for you guys too. Don't come up on the holy mountain. If you cross this border, if you, come, if you try and come up here or any animal comes up here, you're going to die. You, you're to be killed because you have crossed over the border and come up to the holy, the holy ground where you are not welcome, at least yet, I would say, perhaps. But this whole chapter 19 is really kind of about holiness. Set apart and brought to God. That's part of the definition of holiness. Set apart from the Egyptians, brought out to God. So let's continue. Um... That's Well, in verse number, I think this is uh, verse number four, uh, verse number three. You yourselves have seen, um, no, this is verse number four, I'm sorry. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. Set apart, brought to God. Now, number two, their obedience, we were talking about what would make them holy. Their obedience would make them God's own possession. Remember, we're going to look at the verse in a second here. A special treasure, a lot of the translations have here. You're going to belong to God, and it's not just like God has you, but you're going to be special to Him. A treasured possession. We know what treasure means, right? It's special. It's it's the best. You're going to be my treasured possession among all the peoples. So look at verse number 5. Now therefore, if... You will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession. I had to use the ESV here. uh, The NI, the excuse me, most all the translations except the one I typically use, the New American Standard, have my own possession. Well, uh, that conveys that you're special. You belong to me. You're my own. But it's a little bit more understandable in this concept of a treasured possession. God brought them out of Egypt. Not just so they can serve him and uh, God gets a big kick out of having people bow down to him or anything like that. No, it's his treasured people. Pharaoh was, they were slaves to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the master and he was a harsh and terrible master. And they served him in Egypt, but God brings them out and says, Now I'm your master. And oh, I'm a master that you're going to to love because I love you. There's nothing Better than being a slave to the, the world's creator who is kind and loving and generous and pure and holy. Oh, well, I stumbled into that. What does that mean to be holy? God's holy. Well, we're learning it, right? Okay, here we go. His treasure. So what made these people holy? And he says, you will be. So this is what he anticipates happening. What the nation of Israel is to be a treasured possession. They were special, right? They were unique among all of the peoples on the earth. There is one nation that God made clearly his own people. Just as he had promised to Abraham, he said, I will make you into a great nation. And through you, through this great nation, all nations will be blessed. But it has to all start with that one nation. God's people. My treasured possession among all peoples. All the earth's mine, but I'm picking you. You guys are set apart, and you're special. So we got these two things. Set apart, special, treasure, unique, and lastly, purpose. To serve a purpose for God, a godly purpose. They were to be a kingdom, you see number three here, they were to be a kingdom of priests to God, and that is, the kingdom of priests is from the scripture, and here are my words, this is indicating that they were to serve a purpose. They were to, what does a priest do? A priest is somebody special, a priest designates somebody who's going to do something and be somebody. And I always think, well, what is is a priest? I always think, well, a prophet is somebody who speaks to God for the people, and a priest kind of works the other way. A priest is one who can show, bring the people closer to God. He's the go, a priest is a go-between between the people, the normal, the common, the sinners, and help them come to the Holy One, to God. They have a purpose. And as we look at this verse, Exodus 19 and verse number 6, it says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. So by calling them a kingdom of priests, it's not just saying you're going to be a kingdom with some priest in it. He's not just kind of pointing to a few priests that that would work. And by the way, there was only one high priest, right? Was he saying that high priest represents your whole nation, your whole kingdom? No, he's saying your nation will be a kingdom of priests. The whole nation were to serve, in a way, as priests. How would they do that? You got one special nation who is clearly a nation that belongs to God. They're set apart from all the other nations. They're not like them. But what this one nation does is it calls other peoples to believe and to turn to the one true god the one nation israel even in the old testament they were helped they were there to draw people to the one true god they were to be a kingdom of priests and you can see that play out in many of the stories in the old testament god you know, um naaman was saved from his leprosy you think about uh the the one prophet who was called to go to nineveh but what did he do Ran the other way. He was supposed to be a priest to that other heathen nation, but he didn't want to do it. He didn't want them to be saved. And whatever that word saved means, but that's what he did is he went there and finally preached and he they were saved from destruction. So the whole nation is to be a kingdom of priests to other nations, to draw them to him. This one nation had a specific purpose. If they were to be a holy nation then they were to be set apart God's treasured possession so that they could serve his purpose in bringing others to him. Holiness set apart being special so that you can serve God's purpose. And this could be true of an item. You know, they had a, Uh, Even you think about when the temple was built or even when the tent was there, the tabernacle. They made utensils for doing things in God's holy temple. And those things were holy objects. Holy objects. They weren't common, ordinary objects. They were objects that had been set apart from common use to do God's things. Whether it was stoking a fire. Or a fork to pull meat out of a pot at the at the the temple. You know that every it, if it was holy, it had a specific. It was set apart. Even an object could be set apart for God's use, a special purpose. So the definition, and I think you'll see this bear true. Um, and a lot of people will just say the definition of holy means to be set apart. Well, I'll be very a little bit more specific. I'll say that the to be holy means to be set apart from common things to serve God's purpose. That's the definition of holy. Set apart from the common, ordinary Which would necessarily sometimes be sinful things, but not always. But to be separate, to be different, to be special, to be unique for God. And the only question I have for you today is this. Are you holy? Have you been set apart from just normal, everyday kind of people so that you can serve God's purpose so you can be special for God you're unique Christian being a Christian means you're to be unique different set apart from the common to serve God's purpose if you're a Christian and you kind of get caught in this thought of, hmm. And I hope you think about that. As we come to the table, this really is kind of the thought, isn't it? As, all right, Jesus did something special for me. Am I? He, he was set apart. That's what we could say. He was holy. He was set apart for a very specific purpose in this life, on this world. He, is, he was holy for me. Am I holy for Him? Am I really, does my life kind of play out that I'm following His ways? Am I holy because He is holy? I'm following after Him, and so my life is, is really, it, it shows as you think about how I live and what I do, how I talk and how I think, my behavior from day to day shows that I am, I'm set apart, I'm holy, I'm, I'm different from the common everyday things and people to serve God's purpose. Are you holy? You're really living like that. I hope you can say yes to that. And if you are not a Christian, you haven't given your your life to Jesus, I hope today you'll consider this question about holiness and really say, you know what? I want to be holy. I want to be set apart for this great purpose of, of serving God's purpose in this world. And if you want that, if you want to be holy, it can happen. If you you can set your part of your life apart for God by submitting to God's work in your life. Going into the watery grave of baptism, being raised to a new life that is dictated by these words in Christ. In Christ. He's holy, so I'm holy. I'm in Christ. He makes me holy. I'm living for him. That is the good life. If you want to be happy, Jay mentioned that earlier about wish the whole nation knew about how to be happy because we get a we get a in the United States we get a the right to pursue happiness, right? Well, happiness is found in holiness. So, please consider today give your life to God. We'll now turn our minds to Jesus Christ as we gather around this table.